Happy Friday. Financial independence. Not there yet, but getting there and taking you on the journey. Welcome to episode 8. So at the start of the last episode I mentioned the trouble we'd had with our car hire company in our UK trip. Well I'm pleased to say this has now come to a conclusion and I can deliver the full learnings. So to give you a brief overview of what happened, we arrived in the UK about 27 hours after leaving New Zealand and headed straight to the car hire village. I stepped up to the desk whilst Alicia and little Stella guarded our bags. All seemed so normal. I'd been through the routine before, so armed with my driving licence and booking details, I was prepared for anything that could be thrown at me, including the upgrade question. But this was presented to me much in the way of a well-rehearsed dance. To warm up, I was casually asked questions about what we would be doing with our car and how many bags we were going to put in it. Bearing in mind I'd booked a very specific type of car many months prior to arriving, I think I knew what type of car we would like and funnily enough we had already booked it. Anyway, this wasn't so obvious to the guy behind the desk so he flipped me three keys, one for the car we'd booked and two upgrades. To be honest, all three would have done the trick, but what really encouraged me to stick with the one I had originally opted for was that the other two cost more, £5 and £10 per day more respectively. And due to my FI mindset, even if they had been only 10 pence more, I would have stuck with my original choice. You see, it was for a really good deal because I'd booked so far in advance. I'd got this Skoda Octavia diesel for £322.09 for 21 days. So from putting my business hat on, I can't really blame them for trying to make more margin, so I really don't have a problem with having to navigate through their upgrade dance. So once we agreed I would stick with the Skoda, I was told that £250 deposit would need to be placed on my card. And as long as there were no problems, I would get it back at the end of the rental. No problem with that, that was normal. So then I was duly asked to sign here, here and here. Oh, and then another sheet was pulled out, and here please sir. You see, you put a lot of trust in a well-known flagship brand, so despite the wordiness of these agreements, you trust the car hire staff to show and explain you the big ticket items, and as we have clearly agreed everything, i.e. no extra insurance required at as excess is covered on my credit card, and no upgrade etc. I confidently signed away and we all drove off on a merry way. I love going back to the UK because it means I get to drive a manual car again. After many years of driving manuals in the UK, because that's what most people drive there, it now feels weird switching between manual and the populism of automatics in New Zealand. But I have to say, in manual cars, it really feels like you are driving the machine. I love the feel of a well-executed clutch release and simultaneous gear change. Anyway, I do digress. Back to the moral of the story. So we had a lovely three weeks and the car treated us very well, getting us from A to B every day without a hitch. We got it back to the car high village in one piece and dropped it off with a drop off inspector. Always a nerve wracking part of the car hire journey this, what damage are they going to say that was caused by you and at what abstract cost 
And to my surprise, he just asked me if I'd filled up before dropping it off. Yes, I had. And he told me with hardly a glance towards the car, well, there's no damage, please sign here, sir. On one of those electronic signature thingy-majigs, which you use a plastic thingy to scribble your signature on, which looks nothing like your signature. Anyway, we were off on a merry way to God's own country, and I quickly received an email to say no damage and a full tank with my signature on it. Awesome, all good to go. Thinking back, what had surprised me a little was that during our holiday, I was checking our credit card balance and transaction online a few times. And when I say a few times, I mean religiously, at least twice a day. I noticed that the initial pending transaction from the car hire place had gone missing and our available balance had increased accordingly. I did a little bit of research about pending payments. I know, different folks, different strokes. Anyway, I found out that if money from an initial authorization isn't officially taken by the payee, the pending transaction expires, but the money can still be taken at a later date due to the initial authorization. I secretly hoped that maybe I'd be one of those lucky ones and the car hire company would completely forget to officially take the payment. Not so lucky, my friends. As soon as we landed in New Zealand, it was Labour Day, so no banking transactions were going through that day, but they all did the very next, including that from the car hire company. Not just one payment, though. One payment for a very similar amount I had authorised, including the deposit, and also a separate payment, a £2 charge. Okay, so no need for panic stations. Obviously I expected the £250 to be returned to me after a few days as I had emailed proof that I'd handed the car back in one piece with a full tank. But I still called them just to find out that it had been authorised to be returned to me. Mainly because when I clicked on their link to see the invoice, it failed so I wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth. Of course sir, your refund can take 10 to 30 days to be returned. Whoa, up to 30 days. Look at him on an FI journey, eh? So no worries, but that must royally be inconvenient for some people. I asked them to email me the invoice, which I did, and this is when I got my first real red flag. You see, the invoice showed a total amount which added up to exactly the two payments that had come out of our credit card. But rather than a rental charge plus a deposit, no deposit was shown. Instead of a deposit, there was an upgrade of exactly £252 extra on top of the original rental. This seems strange, so I called them straight back and told them there must have been a mistake on the invoice as I believe they had mistakenly called the deposit an upgrade. But this was an extra £2 on top of what the agreed deposit. It was weird. They confirmed again that I would get my deposit back. Okay, so I waited a couple of days and I reread the invoice again and after a further phone call trying to clarify, they were surprised to hear that the full amount had been taken from the credit card. I put down the phone and read the invoice one last time and it all started to click. I wasn't going to get my deposit back. The usual process should have been to authorise the full amount including the deposit and then all being well at the end of the rental, only the amount for the rental should have been taken, and a £250 deposit released. This clearly hadn't happened, and I had no record of a deposit payment, only this invoice saying I'd agreed to an upgrade, and a sneaky £2 extra payment to balance it out with the invoice. Ooh, something fishy was going on, and I was going to get to the bottom of it. 
I sent many emails and I placed many phone calls complaining and asking for clarification whilst explaining I could clearly see that I have been charged for an upgrade that I did not accept. They had created a case number, well not just one number, as I rang and sent different emails to the UK and Australian New Zealand customer services. I think I actually had two simultaneous case numbers running. So they looked into it and I got a very quick sharp reply back along the lines of basically you did agree to the upgrade and here's an attachment with your signature on it to prove it. I was fuming. At the top of this upgrade document I'd been presented was written that I had accepted an upgrade of £12 per day to go from a Skoda Octavia sedan to a Skoda Octavia estate, or wagon as you Kiwis call them. £12 per day for an estate. Firstly, that is ridiculous. This upgrade was nearly as much as the original rental cost per day. And secondly, I did not agree to an upgrade. So I called them back several times again to say that the document had been fabricated and fortunately I could prove it. I'd held on to the initial agreement. The signatures were on one piece of paper and when I turned this piece of paper over it was exactly the same as the upgrade document they had sent me with one very noticeable difference. On my copy, there was absolutely no ink, no upgrade information and no signature. This would get them. I took a scan of the one page and sent it back to them and they said they would investigate further, which infuriated me further as clearly I was in the right. Why couldn't it have been sorted out right there, right then? Anyway, I waited another day or two and in the meantime, I thought, Well, if they aren't going to get back to me promptly, I know one way to ensure they will. So I took to their Facebook page and wrote the same comment on a few posts, explaining that I had been subjected to fraud and I wanted contact details on how to escalate the complaint, not for them just to provide me with a customer services number. So the Australian NZ Facebook page people then contacted the UK people who got back to me a few days later to tell me they had investigated and a document they had clearly showed I had signed for an upgrade. Fortunately, after previously that day taking a video to prove the original documentation had no upgrade information or signatures, I emailed them the video link and called them straight away. This time, this time, this time it had to be different. They opened the email whilst I was on the phone. It quickly got escalated and they admitted it should not have happened and I even got a verbal apology. They ended the call saying that I would be fully reimbursed and they would make an additional gesture of goodwill. Good news, this situation was now sorting itself out. Well, in hindsight, not quite. This was where the pantomime actually began. So I get an email a couple of hours later confirming that the refund had been put in place, which I would get in a few working days. And my Brucey bonus was, you guessed it, a free upgrade voucher that can only be used within the UK. Whoa, that hurt. Needless to say, I complained and I told them this was a useless gesture of goodwill and that it is not just about the money, but fairness. Plus, after a quick Google search, I saw this wasn't the first time this company had subjected its customers to fraudulent practices. So I wanted to know why it happened to me and what are they going to do to ensure that it doesn't happen again in the future. Needless to say, there were many toing and froing of emails. And to cut this part of the story short, they went from 
an initial goodwill offer, an upgrade voucher for use in the UK only, useless. Then a 30% discount for use at any of their branches worldwide, but they would not explain to me why it happened and how it would not happen again because of the Data Protection Act. I mean, really, I wasn't asking for names, date of birth and an inside leg measurement. Then when the refund came through, I totaled up everything and with the initial authorization meant to be paid in pounds at an agreed currency conversion, when they took the money out, I was then charging NZ dollars at a worse conversion plus fees added by my bank. They refunded this difference plus a goodwill gesture of £45. And again, the Data Protection Act still get in the way of them explaining much detail around their internal investigation. After telling them if this was my business, I would offer a full refund straight away as it's simply not acceptable. They came back and said to me that this was the most that they were going to offer. I sent one final email asking them to confirm their final response as this was an issue of fairness. A 14% offer of goodwill when they are willing to provide a 30% discount off the next rental it felt like opportunist profiteering. Also, I know the MD and CEO had been informed of the saga and even the MD was copied into most of the emails and not once up to this point had I had an apology from either of them. I asked the company to confirm their final position so I could put it to trading standards, the serious fraud office and the police. And guess what? The very next day I get an email from the MD apologising, saying that they have actioned a 50% refund plus the offer of 30% of the next rental still stood. He also explained a bit more detail around the investigation process, assured me that processes would then be in place to ensure this wouldn't happen again, and offered a personal apology. Bingo, that was all that I wanted. I wasn't going to push for a 100% refund, After all, we'd received value from the company driving their car around the UK for half of what was originally a very good deal. Order had been restored and I just hoped that they get their house in order. I'm not going to go to trading standards, the SFO or the police. Purely for my own mental health and stress levels, I just don't need it. And I need to draw a line and move on. Plus, there is a small part of me that has a bit of sympathy for the person who fabricated that document. I don't think they're an evil person, as there is something obviously happening in their personal or work life that has caused or motivated that dishonest behaviour. And I genuinely hope, whatever that was, that it gets sorted. So there you have it. When the funds come through, we will be about $330 better off than when we first booked. But boy, did I go through the ringer to get it. Like I said in the previous episode, the clear learnings here are that when it comes to situations like this, it is the emotional side of your brain that is really affected. And you may have easily noticed that in my tone as I retold the story. It is important to recognise this fact when it occurs and the first thing you must do is manage your own emotions first before tackling the situation head on. You need to appear to be coming across reasonable And it does take great effort to hold back when everyone can see you are in the right and not actually go for the juggler. But let things go when an amicable agreement has been reached that satisfies all parties. Even though you know you could push for more, your own peace of mind is more important in the grand scheme of things. So, look after your money, but more importantly, look after yourself. Until next time, happy Friday. 
You've been listening to Happy Fi Day, and you're already a little bit richer.